0: the people that are there waiting for them to get there. Uh, we need to be praying for their travel, our leaders that are going to be going with them, and uh, so we're, we're, they're going to have a great time. Centrifuge was a great part of my uh, growing up, and I'm excited that it's still such a great place for them to go be a part of. So be praying for our leaders and our students. How many are going? 25. So uh, we got a bunch going, um, but it's good to have you here. We're glad that you chose to be here. We saw a lot of guests, and we're glad that you found us and uh, you chose to be here. I'm glad that mom and dad got to come down and visit. They don't get to. They don't come down quite as much as they used to. And I just want to say thank you for all your prayers for them as uh, they're kind of healing and getting things together. Mom's doing much better. Uh, if you continue to pray for her, she has not gotten any better about being ornery, but uh, she is certainly uh, doing well so we appreciate all of those prayers and I know they would love to give you a hug. We're also glad to have Jean back. Uh, we've been missing Jean the last few weeks Jean uh, she took a spill and broke a rib and so she's been at home recuperating. so I know we've all missed her A lot of people have been asking about Jean and, and we're thrilled that she got to be back and be with us. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series things look a little weird because normally I can see more of you. And as we mentioned earlier, we've still got a few little technical glitches we're working out. Um, so I'm going to do my best. to. I, it's easier when I can see your faces. Um, not when you're going to sleep, but uh, when you, whenever you're giving me feedback. So uh, we're going to work on hopefully having those lights up for next week. Um, also, let me just encourage you to be here next week. Now, summer, we all kind of scatter. We're starting to kind of pull back together as the summer's coming to a close uh starting next week we're going to begin giving several uh announcements or releasing several pieces of important information about some significant changes that are coming up in these next few months so i want to encourage you to be back here next week we're going to begin sharing those we're not going to share them all at one time Uh, we're also going to be having a town hall meeting where we're going to come together and uh share a lot of things the elders have been working on and and some things for us moving forward so those are going to begin next week, so plan to be here. If you see somebody that's not here, be sure you communicate with them and tell them that they do need, in fact, to be here next week. So last week, Scott, continued our series, um, Things That God Never Said. And the truth is, is as believers, we often repeat things that God never truly said. There are things that just kind of get into our vernacular. We just say them flippantly. And honestly, what happens because you and I live in a soundbite age is we hear something and rather than giving it really that critical appraisal of whether this is true or not we sometimes just take it in especially if we hear it lots and lots of times and if you're a heavy facebook user that means you're in real danger of of falling for a lot of stuff that's just not true and uh, the truth is is anymore whether you watch the news or read the newspaper or magazines or twitter facebook whatever you use there's so much stuff out there that just simply isn't true. And if we don't critically assess what we're taking in as truth, then it will lead us into all kinds of crazy directions. Uh, we, it, it happens within our nation, it happens within our churches. But last week what Scott really talked about is what does it look like to be responsible for how we ourselves act? And we're in the middle of a lot of news stories. We're in the, in the middle of a lot of cultural shifts that are happening around us. And some Christians aren't handling it very well. And some are. So we want to be a, a, a place that, that handles it well and we get the right things right. And we understand what God has said to be true. So what I want to talk to you today is about a couple of things. I want to, I want to a little bit tag on to what Scott said last week. Uh, But I really want us to look into two different things that we often attribute now to God that he never said. It's all within the context of grace. But grace has become so misused and misunderstood that grace has become a synonym for being absolutely meaningless. We just give grace. We just don't care. It just doesn't matter anymore. And the belief that God really doesn't care or things just don't matter to him is just just so beyond what scripture teaches us. But there's two I really want to talk about. Number one is that because of grace, it doesn't matter what you do or how you act. God talked about that last week. And what goes right along with it is, it really doesn't matter what you believe. Now, it's important for us to make some distinctions here. Now, if you go on our website and you find out what do we believe, you will not see what is a Typical list of beliefs because we are very open with the fact that we believe there's room for lots of interpretation for many parts of Scripture. But there are a few areas that there's no interpretation. They say what they say. They mean what they mean. Primarily, what we focus on here in our beliefs are what do we believe about the gospel? We believe that is the most important teaching in Scripture. And so we have to get that right. But whether you believe a person should or should not have tattoos, we're not going to come up with hard and fast rules we don't think that the bible is literal in those areas whether it be long hair and you know we'll have a talk with don after and see what he needs to do about getting a barber you know i don't so i grew up in that and uh i my first few came to talk first few churches i pastored when i would grow a goatee or something there was a private meeting in the back of the room you know, so I would be called into this private meeting about how I needed to exercise my right to shave immediately, you know. So there are some things that we have really focused on that really just don't matter. But there are some things that do matter, and I want us to walk through some of those. But one of the things I want to start with is really our beliefs. Now, just because we say we believe something doesn't mean we really believe it, right? Would you agree that our actions demonstrate our beliefs? We may say we believe something, but unless that belief moves us to action, we don't really believe it to either be necessary or to be true. One of the big questions that we hear a lot of is don't worry about belief. It's no big deal. You don't need to be studying the Bible all that much. You don't really need to think about those things. Those really aren't important anymore. And we hear it all the time, all over the place. What we often hear is it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love others. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that loving others is a big deal for us. We believe that part of the role of the church is not to be out there just holding a shingle, telling people they're going to hell, but instead it's loving people and showing them the love that Christ has for them. So loving others is a big deal. But what you also have to be careful about is saying, as long as I get that right, it really doesn't matter what I do, how I act, or what I believe, except for the fact that how you love others is directly impacted by what you believe. We all can love people differently. We all can love people in the way that we feel love or that we think they feel love what we believe makes a difference we also hear it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you don't hurt anyone has anyone heard that and the problem that we're seeing is that many people will say you're hurting me if you're telling me something that's true god really doesn't want you to do that well that's hurting me well that's not showing love anymore and so we've Taking on this idea that, you know, as long as I'm not hurting somebody with this, I'm okay. And is that what God really teaches? What you believe matters to God because God truly does care for you. He took time for us to know what he thought, know what he believed was important. And time and time again in Scripture, he has said, you need to go and learn these things. You need to absorb these things. And if you have a child, you're to help your children to learn these things. God cares what we believe because God cares for us. We read a little bit about that in 2 Timothy 4. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit today, so just bear with me. It's going to be on the screen. It'll be on version if you've got a smartphone or tablet or something with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, you've probably heard this before. It says this, I charge you the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Has anyone ever had to teach something that they had no clue about? I have. In school, we did it all the time. You would be put in charge of creating a presentation. and I'd have no idea what I was supposed to be talking about. No idea what, what how this thing worked. And I would give some presentation. At work, sometimes we'll have to go do a presentation. And, and I'm not real sure how something's going to work. But I'll figure out how to wing it for the presentation. It's not really an enjoyable place to be. And it's really, you cannot operate out of confidence when you really are not sure about this thing that you're supposed to teach others. Now, some of you, you may have experienced this. And your jobs where maybe someone is hired in and then you have to train them and then you have to train them on a job you yourself never do? That's fun. Hey, go show him how to do I don't know how to do like, Okay, it'll be fine. Just go show him how to do it. Oh, yeah. It's no fun to have to teach somebody something when you don't understand it yourself, although it is absolutely true that you will never fully understand something until you are able to teach it to someone. That's why the opportunity to teach others is so huge in life, whether it be teaching in a formal setting like this or in a one-on-one setting with somebody. The ability to teach demonstrates a comprehension of what you are trying to demonstrate. Preach the Word, be ready, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. All of this pointing to the fact that God is saying what you believe matters. Not only are you to believe what matters, you are to show other people what matters too, even if the world continually rejects what is true and good and right. Verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, the fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord has the righteous judge will reward to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing in other words my response to what i know to be true leads to a reward not only for me but for all who have loved his appearing have you really thought about that combination of words talking about reward he's talking about what we teach and he interjects this idea that those who do this are those who love the appearance, An idea of relationship. That the motive is not so that we can tell people we're right, although we like to be right. I like to be right. Everybody likes to be right. That's why we go on Facebook and we put a post out there that's going to change millions of minds within three seconds of reading it they will just know your wisdom and know that what you're saying is true and the light bulb will come on and you will your inbox will be flooded with people saying thank you for changing my mind it happens to me on a daily basis does it happen to you all the time it happens to me i mean it's just like i just read one and if i don't like it then they immediately regret posting it immediately right Oh, it's never happened to, any, to me for any of these. But we think it does. Oh, they're going to know I didn't like that. And they're going to feel bad about posting that. Or, oh, I'm with them. I'm with them on that. I mean, I want them to know how much I'm with them on this. Like, as if that is going to communicate anything. What we believe, and how we act, is determined by what is important to us. Where our priorities lay. You will act based on what you believe. Whether you want to or not, you will do it. Whether you think of it in those terms or not, that is how you will act. You will act based on what you believe to be true. If you believe you can help others, you will help others. If you believe you can do that, you will do it. If you believe others are important, you will treat them with respect. It will happen. You don't just treat somebody with respect because I just like treating people with respect. You believe other people matter and they are important. If you believe you can accomplish something, you will try it. But you have to believe it. I I think I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And I think I can. And I will tell you, if you're a person who loves adventure, you must have some basis level of confidence that you can make something happen, even if you're not certain. That's where the adventure lies. That's where a lot of the fun in life lies. I'm not sure I can do this, but I'm going to give it a good shot because I think it's possible. But go for it. Any of the great things we experience in life are because somebody said, I can do this. No one's done it yet, I can do this. If you believe you can accomplish something, you will try. On the flip side, if you believe other people aren't important, you will treat them like they don't matter. See, it's it's what you believe about people that determines how you treat people. If they don't matter, I'm not going to treat them with respect. I'm going to treat them like they don't matter. And that's really what we're seeing in the world around us as people become more and more absorbed with themselves. Others really don't matter. So we treat other people like they don't matter. Also, you don't believe you can help others. You will turn a blind eye to the pain of others. I mean, why invest energy if there's absolutely nothing you can do to help? what we believe, it truly is matter if you don't believe you can accomplish something you will not try our beliefs often dictate how we act and yet a prevailing idea going not just through the world but through the church is what you believe doesn't matter But I'm telling you, whatever you believe will determine how you act. Therefore, what you are doing right now in your life is based on your basic belief system about your life. Whatever we believe is how we act. What you believe matters, and it matters tremendously. In our faith and spirituality, when we struggle in a a world that is not our home and we're not sure the best way to act or the best way to teach or we're not sure how to make the right decision if you believe you're in need of a savior that will change the way you act see many people that attend church today do not believe they really need a savior there's situations that you'll put yourself in or you'll find yourself in that you know you need help (laughs) I really need help. I am dangling from my roof, hanging on to my gutter. The ladder has slipped onto the ground. I need help. You know in that moment I need help or I'm going to fall. And hopefully it's a low roof. And hopefully the gutter will hold. There are situations we find ourselves that it is so obvious that the immediate need right now, it really doesn't matter what we're having for dinner because if I fall three stories, I'm not eating anyway. There are situations we recognize our need immediately to know jesus means that we recognize that we are in need of a savior and when we recognize that it changes the way we act i know growing up i was never one that loved rules i think uh, that's probably most of us in the room never enjoyed rules i never liked limits i never liked boundaries I, the only limit i wanted was what i could fit in before it got dark you know or as I got older, it, dirt didn't even matter anymore. It, we don't like the rules. We don't like limits. And the church got a real bad stigma for saying, well, you're just about the rules. It's just all about the things you can't do. But we began to shift in our thinking to that when we stopped believing we really needed a Savior. See, when we believe we need a Savior, that changes how we act. Because what we believe determines how we act. So when we believe we need a savior, we do change. Mark chapter 2 says this. In the scribe of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners, talking about Jesus, and tax collectors, he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick. As if that didn't include everybody. Those who are sick came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus explained to them how he sees us. We are a people in need of saving. We are a people in need of a physician. And if we believe that, it changes the way we act. It changes the way we respond to the teachings of Jesus. If we choose to ignore what we believe, Then we will still be acting on those beliefs, but we will do it with ambivalence. God believes that we are sick, and he wants to heal us. Now, there are many religions that the God of that religion believes that they're sick. The difference in Jesus is he wants to heal us. The difference in who God is and what all these other religions have been based around is that God wants to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And other religions dictate that we must do something for a God who's not doing anything for us. See how warped that is? God believes that we are sick and that we are in need of the Savior. John 3.16 says this, have you read the whole section of Scripture here? I'm not reading the whole thing, but start with verse 316, what we're familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, believe this is important, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. God talked a lot about that last week. Why are we he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to tell us how sick we are. Ha ha ha. Rub it in your face. Came into the world to save us. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light, and does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. In other words, to truly see what they believe, because you act based on what you believe. So we just, we don't want anybody to really know how sick we really are. Verse 21, But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. His actions are determined by his belief. Now, some of you may push back a little bit, and I, I push back on this a little bit, because we know plenty of people that believe all the right things, but that never is expressed through their actions in a loving way. Anybody ever experienced that? Whenever I mean, you get a Bible verse over the side of the head like a two-by-four and someone gloating over you that you screwed up? Many of us have experienced that. Some of you are here because you've experienced that. Some of you are nervous that you're still going to experience that. So we do all know somebody whose belief system does not match their actions. What I would say to that is that's not what they really believe. Because they're acting on what they really believe. And they've not yet come to the place to believe they really need a savior. Therefore, they use all of those teachings to beat people up. Because they need a Savior, but I don't. Whenever you believe you need a Savior, it changes the way you act. It changes the way you treat people. It changes the way that you see the world. And whoever does what is true or acts on the beliefs that are true comes to the light. That it may be clearly seen that the works have been carried out in God. Because God cares for you. So He cares what you believe. As we look through the Gospels, we look through John three sixteen. What do we need to be saved from? We've been over this. We know sin is real. We watch the news. We see how sin affects the world. We see people doing horrible things to other people. We know in very graphic ways anymore how bad sin is in the world. Sin is real. What we believe about sin does matter because we act based on what? we believe so what we do matters as well sin affects every part of our world as we look at some incredible diseases that are just ravaging whole populations around the world you realize that is in part due to sin i don't mean the kind of sin like they deserve it because they did something wrong and now god's punishing them the whole world is infected by sin all of it is the soil is infected the Heavens are infected. The solar system's infected. Sin has infected it all. That's why scripture says all of creation is crying out for a savior. And so we have many things that we now deal with, many hardships, many things that cause suffering in this world that God never wanted us to experience, but yet sin has ushered it in, and it will be that way. That's why when we read about what's going to happen when Jesus returns, he said, I will do away with all of this and create something brand new. It is without the touch of sin. That day is coming. It's not here. That day is coming. Sin is real. It affects every part of of our world. It hurts our relationships with each other. It's why one of the reasons we damage the planet in which we live because sin is real. And along with it, consequences of sin are real. We're entering in an age where no one wants any sin to be called a sin. We're just going to sit around and act like it's not. But that there are true consequences for sin. There's real pain. Many of us know that firsthand. We've experienced the pain of our sin in our lives. We have broken relationships. Struggle with being happy. Struggle with depression. We see these actions of ours that have been predicated by our beliefs that we know are sinful. And and we feel that pain. We feel the consequences. For some of us, maybe we're doing okay. But we look at other people's lives and we can see the pain in their lives as a result of Their sinful actions. The consequence of our sin is real. Ultimately, we're talking about an eternity. We know about the gospel. The ultimate consequence for sin is to have an eternity without God in a place that is said to be miserable. Whether that place has fire and brimstone, I really don't know that it does. But in that moment, you will know that you missed God. When all other things are equal, that will be painful. When you believe what God has done for you, it will change the way you act. It will change what you do. Now, let me just say, somewhere there's a sermon just like this going on. That says if you if you are acting in a bad way, then that's because you don't love God. And I will tell you that the reason we call this place Journey is because we are on a journey. I'm on a journey. You're on a journey. I've not reached my destination. And neither have you. And so I'm thankful that I get lots of second chances. I'm thankful that there's opportunity for growth. I'm thankful that there's forgiveness and that there's grace. what you believe about that god has done for you it will determine the way you act the idea that it doesn't matter what i do what consequence am i going to have nobody's putting a microphone in my face putting me on tv or on the big screen what does it really matter what i do i, I don't influence anything or anyone it doesn't really matter i will tell you again sin has its consequences and once you embark on a life that says, it doesn't matter how I act, as long as I don't hurt anybody else, then you have embarked upon a life of great consequence, great pain, and the opportunity to miss what God wants to do in your life. When we believe our actions have no consequences, we are again slaves to sin. That's exactly what Jesus wanted to liberate us from. Galatians five one for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The very thing Jesus wants to deliver us from, we willingly walk into when we say, how I act doesn't matter. Consequences enslave us. We often say, we've been saved by grace. Talking about being legalistic, I'm not talking about being legalistic. The idea that the gospel says it doesn't matter how what you believe or how you act is the very reason that so many people are frustrated in their faith because they've never truly accepted what is true. They're trying to ma- manage and merge all these different belief systems, and they're trying to pile it under the word of grace. But grace was never intended to remove intentional action. Never. Grace is a free gift from God. And He has called us in every place in Scripture to act intentionally based on what He is doing. To say it doesn't matter. That is sin. Grace taken too far is also no longer grace. Because once we move outside of what God intended, then we have changed the meaning. And we will then you the gospel into something that is powerless in someone's life. Another reason there's so many people frustrated in their faith. Grace taken too far is no longer grace. Romans 6 says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, it should be an intentional act in the way you live as a response to the grace you've been given. Don't keep going on like it doesn't matter. May it never be, because that is slavery. And yet many people walk right into it. I want you to know, if you... Feel that you are the most insignificant person in the room. Even you. God cares what you do. Because God cares for you. Acts 1, eight says this. You, that's all of us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. We're witnesses to the gospel that brings freedom and brings life. Everything you do matters because you are a witness. Does our witness bear out the teachings of Scripture? I will tell you, point blank, all of my actions do not bear good witness to the teachings of the gospel. There are times that I act in a way that does not help the gospel propagate around the world. There are times that I have to go and say, I'm sorry for things that I have done or things that I have said. There are times that I have to look at my actions and I have to change the direction of my actions when I recognize this is not helping the gospel. Whenever I want to be angry with somebody and I want to tell them I'm angry, hopefully the Holy Spirit will stop me so I can adjust the trajectory of my actions because I'm a wit. For a lot of us, that still is true. What you believe and what you do are completely inseparable. Your actions this morning are a result of what you believed about today. Your actions today are directly impacted by what you believe about tomorrow. Our beliefs determine how we act. We act based on what we believe. a a good rhetorical question that you're probably already asking yourselves is, well, what do I believe? Do I believe? Do I believe about family, about gospel, about sin, about my need, my need for a savior? What do I really believe? What do I believe about how I should act at work or act at home or act on the road? What do I believe about that? A good question for us to constantly ask. A good reason to go to Scripture constantly to find answers. James 2 says this. We're going to look at several verses here. I just want to go through it. It's a great passage. What good is it if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? This is the often the grace versus works. The, the grace versus legalism argument. I love the way James handles it. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? In other words, does he really even have faith to begin with if his works don't bear out? His faith. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without actually giving them the things needed, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. I want to be careful here, because it's very easy to get in a very legalistic mindset to then say, okay, if I didn't do enough today, maybe my faith isn't real. That's often a road this goes down. But that is not what this is saying. Verse uh, 17. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. What James is saying here is what you believe matters because it determines what you act. Your faith matters because it determines what you act. If you never act in faith, does your faith really exist? And if we don't care how we act, do we truly have faith to begin with? You believe, verse 19, that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe. The same reason that someone can attend church their entire life, uh, memorize the entire Bible and treat you, Like you're the lowest person on the face of the planet every time they see you. That's why that happens. Because belief can be adopted, but not acted upon. Because they don't really believe it. They don't really believe it to be true. They don't really believe that it matters. You believe that God's one, you do well and the demons, believe that. But it doesn't matter to them. It's not a belief for truth for them. And they shudder. Now, some of you who are very logical thinkers, you're trying to figure out, okay, I've got got to have faith, I've got to have works, okay, I need to balance that, and I'm not sure how that works. But I will tell you that that is not the way that James is portraying this. He's not saying you have both. Now, make sure you have both your houses in order. He's saying one dictates the other. One determines the other. One causes the other. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. They are one and the same. And when we begin to ask the question, does it really matter what I do in life? It does, because what you're doing is determined by what you believe be true many people don't believe their actions are important because they aren't sure they aren't sure what they are supposed to believe that's probably some of us in this room i'm not really sure what i'm supposed to believe about these things i think i have the main things down but these other things i'm not really sure about and so it's really not that big a deal if you've not read some of the scriptures and studied some of the scriptures we've used this morning when you begin to look at those you realize it is a big deal Here's what, here's what I kind of want to, this is what I want to leave you with. God acted for us because he loved us. He gave his son for you because he loved you. God entered into this creation. He could have just sat back and we never knew how any of this happened or that God was there. We could have just been oblivious and we could have just gone about our daily lives without hope without any purpose, without knowledge of any of this, but God intentionally chose to intervene, to intersect our lives. He wanted you to know that he cared for you. He wanted you to know that his actions were not based on his desire to judge. His actions were based on his desire to rescue. As we look through all the Old and New Testament, we see a God who is a rescuer, not a God who wants to hurt others. Some of us, because we've been hurt in life, we think that maybe God's out for us. Maybe he doesn't love me as much as somebody else, because their life seems so much better than us. Yet God's love for each of us is the same. He chose to intersect, he chose to intercede, and God acted for us because he loves us. As a believer, I have to come to the place where I say, God... Your love for me, it's it's more than I can understand or comprehend. It's more than I can truly offer to anyone else, even the people that are closest to me. What well, the way you love me, I, I can't I, I struggle to even really put that into tangible terms about how I should act right now and in this situation, because there's a part of me that really wants to just do what I feel like doing, and I don't think that probably helps. God interceded because he understood that and he loved uh so as his follower, the reason I choose to study, the reason I choose to follow, the reason I choose to modify my actions when others would tell me, Mark, don't worry about doing that. No matter what you do, no matter what, you know, don't, don't get all legalistic about that. Just live your life. Have fun. Do whatever you want. I can't do that because God loved me. He made himself known to me. And now I love him. So I want to know what he has to say. I didn't enter into a relationship with my wife so that I could ignore what she has to say. I didn't enter into a relationship with my kids because I really could care less what they think or what they say. For those that I care about, I care what they think and what they say. I care how I respond to them, even if I don't respond perfectly every time. I care because God loved me, loves you. When God gives us instructions on how to act and how to adjust our behavior or where to spend our time or worse, where to spend our money. Out of love, not something else. When someone says, well, I'm just choosing not to be legalistic. Well, that may be, and there are plenty of examples of legalism in, in, in the modern church era. That doesn't mean that you're choosing grace over legalism. You're just choosing yourself over God. God cares for us. If God is to ask me to adjust my behavior, do I get angry? Is it because God doesn't know what's best? Is it because God doesn't care how I feel? But I have come to believe that I need a Savior. And I believe if God tells me I need to adjust my actions, it's because He knows that's what's best. That leads to what is healthy. Leads to what is good. Bottom line is this, I believe. When you love God, it is a joy to do what He wishes. When I love my wife, it is a joy to do what she wishes. Now, I'll be honest. Some things that she wants me to do, I don't really enjoy all that much. Okay? I just want to be real with you. So if y'all are thinking that I'm just... Hey, absolutely. Every single time. But what I love is the joy that it brings her. Even if I don't really enjoy the thing that she's wanting me to do. The same way with God... I can't really give him more joy than he has innately. But I can adjust based on what he says is good and what he wants because I love him. Not because I'm afraid of him. Scripture says we need to fear the Lord, but God never wanted us to be afraid of him. He wants us to know him, to love him as he has loved us. Fear of the Lord is the fear of not being within his will being within, walking in relationship with Him. Not that we're afraid of God. I mean, I'm looking forward to an eternity with God. And what we do, it does matter. We have to watch what we repeat outside of the walls of church. We have to, to watch when we hear things like, well, God helps those who help themselves. Said no one in Scripture. We have to critically examine what we believe to be true Because that is what will determine how we act within life. God has chosen to love us and rescue us. And he's given us an opportunity to rise above our natural state. We get to do that because of his love. We can do that with joy because of our love for him. There's probably 50 to 100 more weeks we can do on a series like this. Uh, We're going to stop with this. We're starting something different next week. But uh, here's what I would love to see us as a community do. I would love to see us as a community truly examine what we believe about the world and about life. What we believe about Scripture and about God. I would love if someone stuck a microphone in your face and asked you to express what you believe about happiness and life or whatever, you would be ready to rock and roll with that question. Many of us would be scared. Of, I, uh, uh, and we're immediately going back to memories of what others have said. What's the best thing I've ever heard somebody say? That's what I'm going to say. Or maybe there song lyrics for some of you. I don't know. Repeat a song. Yeah. What I would love is for you to have critically thought through the things that you believe, and be ready to give an answer for that. What will happen when you do that is you will have a confidence in how you act. When people come and they tell you, you know what, you're an idiot for being that way. Well, I'm not. I've critically examined what I believe. I'm acting on what I believe. You're acting on what you believe. I know, I'm confident in what I'm living in my life. When someone comes up and they say, you know, your faith is... It's worthless. God is worked Jesus, come on. We're going to hear more and more of this phrase. That stuff written thousands of years ago just doesn't matter anymore. You're going to hear that over and over because that's the way the world works. They hear a soundbite and they don't critically examine. And then they repeat it. That's the way the world works. Fortunately, that's the way many of us work too. I know that by what you share on Facebook. All right. I would love as a community for us to critically examine things that we believe. Now, does that mean that you're never going to make a mistake? Well, just go back and listen to some of my sermons. There are things that I could have more critically examined along the way. There are times that we have to recognize I blew it. You are not going to be perfect. We are not going to be a community that expects perfection. They were gonna, you're going to be walking in the door Sunday morning. You've gotten the kids together. You're just trying to get in. Hey, I need to know exactly what you believe about your uh, theology of the church right now. Here, I want to hear what you've been critically examining this past week. That's not going to happen. But I'm telling you, you will have a confidence in the way you live your life that you will do this. Critically examine what you believe because it will determine how you act you love God, it is a joy to do what he wishes. And I hope that we can all find that together We each journey. Pray with me. Father, God, I thank you for the love that you've given us even when we have been unlovely. I thank you for the grace you've given us even at times when we have been truly horrible to other people. We have been judgmental and hateful and angry. God, I thank you that you give us an invitation to follow you, even though there's nothing innately good in us. Yet because of your son, we are allowed to be good. Father, I pray that you would help us to have confidence in following you, confidence in what we believe, confidence in where we're headed in our life. I pray that what the world would see within us is power in following your word. In knowing the direction that we're headed. Confidence in knowing that you are real and that you are alive and you are active in us. I pray that we would exercise this brain that you've given us. This reason that we can seek you out and we can understand you more. I thank you that we can alter our behavior by altering our beliefs. Father, I pray for those that feel overwhelmed by their life and just don't feel like they can critically examine anything because everything's happening so fast and it's so difficult. They're just trying to survive. But, God, you have promised them rest. You have promised them peace. You have promised them a break from that. You have also promised your spirit to supernaturally overcome all of those obstacles. Father, we know you love us. Not only do you tell us, you show us over and over again. Our ability to love you is imperfect. And I pray that you would grow our hearts and grow our ability not just to love others, but to love you. So that as we read your word, as we come to understand what you say to be true, we may with joy follow your wishes. Because it is a joy to to do the wishes of those that we love. Ask all this to